0: Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, I like it. Yeah, sometimes when you say good morning, it's like, okay, we don't know where to talk about it or respond, or, but that's fantastic. So, um, no, I really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's lovely to be here this morning and have the warm fellowship. As you can see, I, I like to walk around a little bit. So, if I come into your personal space, just push me away if you don't like that. Um, I'll try not to trip over the track as well. Uh, it's fantastic to be here yesterday. Uh, I have been to many an Awana Grand, many a Grand Prix and many an Awana Grand Prix, okay? Because my background, uh, I grew up in the Awana system and um, I'll tell you a little, little bit about us in just a second but uh, it was wonderful to come uh, to the track yesterday and see the highly competitive teams um, but I'm convinced though that red track at about there, there has got to be a little button that someone pushes just to jettison motor vehicles into the air we saw some spectacular stuff yesterday, um, but uh, it is good to be here. Of course, this morning uh, we uh, come, in, uh, you know, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, come and, and trust that we can be a, a blessing to you this morning. When uh, when Pastor rang us and uh, said, "Hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this, and uh, we'd love you to come and and, uh, uh, and be here," we we just jumped at it because uh, you know we, we've heard much of you. We haven't been here before. We've definitely had uh, some great fellowship with uh, with Daniel and Jessica over the years Uh, and I can fondly say that I remember Daniel before he was married. Not much though because the first time I met Daniel was when he was engaged to uh, Sister Jessica and I can tell you that uh, he was very distracted (laughs) during that time. He hardly spoke to me during that camp. It was like, uh, we got a speaker, yeah, uh, now it's Jessica, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but it has been wonderful to be uh, in ministry uh, with them over the, over the years. And I can't even remember how many years it is. There's something about Daniel where it just wipes your memory. I don't, maybe, it's <laughs> maybe it's trying to block out something or whatever it is, but I just can't remember what the numbers are. But look, he knows that I'm going to unleash it on him this morning and uh, I'd expect... I'd expect the same from him, but we do enjoy working with each other nevertheless. And it's been a privilege to be able to bring the Word as well at the children's camps over the years uh, and that um, is what the Lord's enabled um, myself and my family to be able to do and we're thankful for it. Uh, before we get into the Word, just a little bit about us. Uh, so, uh, the Roberts family, as you've probably seen, predominantly female, apart from me, and uh, the Lord's blessed us with four girls, actually five girls, one with the Lord. And uh, that's a separate story on its own and a wonderful time uh, in our lives, both hurtful but also a wonderful time. But um, we're thankful that we can be here and uh, we do travel around as much as we can, as much as the Lord enables to be able to um, preach, especially at children's camps. And uh, this year we've, uh, I think it's three so far this year, uh, we've had the privilege of uh, of ministering at. So, uh, we look forward to doing that. We also... Uh, take the opportunity to be involved in children's ministry in the local church. And uh, we're we're actually um, proud Victorians now. I think we're up for four months. So, yeah, you can give us a high five on that one later on. But uh, the Lord changed everything in regards to our location. I was born in Sydney, raised in Sydney, as you can tell, a bit quirky and, uh, you know, very stressed out all the time. And, And then the Lord in January put it upon our hearts to come here <laughs> and um, you know we'd have plenty of opportunities to come to Victorian to minister and when you travel around and no doubt when you go on holidays and things you know you find yourself looking in the real estate window and you know different things and you just Aah. and then the Lord very clearly would say to us over and over and over again no I've called you to this place in Sydney and that's where I want you to be and that is so reassuring um, There's nothing wrong with keeping an eye on the facts and understanding what's happening around the place, but I tell you what, you need to be grounded and you need to know exactly where the Lord would have you to be and exactly which local body the Lord would have you to be joined to and using your spiritual gifts. Um, And so we knew, uh, we were were involved in um, a fairly new church up in um, Menai in Sydney about 11 years ago. We, We know what that's like to be led away from where you're comfortable and to a place where the Lord wants to use you. And we were there for 11 years and then the Lord said, I want you to come here. Totally out of the blue. We didn't expect it. Uh, But again, the Lord over and over again confirmed that to us. He even brought some things into our path uh, where we thought, oh no, that's the Lord shutting the door. And it was only, he put something in our path that only he could solve and then he removed it to allow us to move forward. And that is so reassuring for us and uh, we're thankful to be Uh, in the state of Victoria and we'll see what we can do about your politics. Um, Please open your Bibles uh, to the New Testament and uh, to the book of John. Uh, John chapter 9, when you're there, uh, no doubt you're not going to go, wow, I haven't seen this passage before. It's not going to be one of those stories this morning where, oh wow, that's new. Um, but hopefully there are some encouraging points that we can bring out um, from Jesus' ministry here with this blind man. So, let's just bow our heads. We'll pray and we'll ask God's blessing upon uh, this time. Lord God, we come before you this morning. We open up your word. Um, This is your holy word and we uh, just pray that you would uh, hide the preacher behind the cross. We pray that our hearts would be open and that you would teach us and encourage us. Uh, You know each need here this morning. You know my needs, Lord. And I just pray that you would minister to those things. Help us to be uh, responsive uh, to what you would have us to learn, to what you would have us to change, to what you would have us to meditate on in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, John chapter 10 verse 27 says this. My sheep, don't worry, I'm not tricking you. Stay in John chapter 9. John chapter 10 uh, says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I love to use this verse with children when I'm describing what it's like to be part of God's family. Because usually one of the first questions children are are trying to grapple with uh, and we know that to come to the Lord we need to have that childlike faith and so we love childlike questions. And that is, yeah, I know but if I trust the Lord, what happens if tomorrow when I sin? That's a great question, right? Because I think we all struggle with that one time or another. And we wonder whether God's love for us is broken. And the way I love to describe it is, uh, if, if you've seen uh, some of my uh, camp messages, I put a picture of a family up and I start blanking the, the kids out of the family as they do something wrong. You know, you know little Michelle uh, you know, lied to her mum, boom, she's out of the family. And I say to the children, does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. Hopefully you're not kicked out of your family when you do something, do something wrong. There may be some discipline. There may be some love and discipleship around that. But you're not kicked out of the family hopefully uh, and it's the same with God's family and the way I like to describe it is I bring out this verse my sheep hear my voice no one can take my sheep away from me I trust this morning that as we uh, open up God's word that you're part of God's family that you can claim God to be your heavenly father you can claim him to be your shepherd as this message this morning is mostly focused on you as being part of God's family. And so John chapter 9 uh, sees us following the daily life uh, of Jesus during his three-year active ministry on earth and uh, brings us to this site where he comes across the blind man. And of course we know, we we can get straight to the punchline, that Jesus indeed does heal the blind man. Uh, and you may remember the arguments that uh, in this passage that the disciples have with Jesus about what's causing or what has caused the blindness. And we're going to have a quick uh, look at that as well. And so John chapter 9, verse 1, And Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And I've got a, a few slides here today and uh, I know our pastor's already blamed me and my Mac computer for... That little error that came up before, um, but I'm telling you right now that I bring with me a, a huge history of technical problems. <laughs> I've had projector bulbs blow up on me in the middle of... Anyway, hopefully not today. What is it? Yeah, yeah, be right. And so here we see, and uh, I've taken. Uh, I just like to use pictures here as an illustration, just to to help us here. And uh, by no means are these pictures the be-all and end-all. But you know, Jesus comes and he sees. Uh, the blind man. And verse 2, And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And uh, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God be made manifest in him. You know, the order of events he shows, uh, Jesus sees the man, he notices the blind man. And then his disciples Uh, start uh, with asking questions. You know, I love love this thing about the disciples that they're so transparent and a thought pops into their mind and it pops out of their lips Uh, as opposed to the Pharisees, right, who would stand around and think about it and then the Lord would call those thoughts out. But, uh, you know, these men around you just so much remind me of me. (laughs) Uh, You know, full of error, uh, constantly babbling and falling over and just nowhere near, um, you know, polished and perfect and, and uh, and constantly making mistakes. And here we see the disciples just asking these questions and they say, well, we see the blind man too, Lord. And so who sinned? Obviously, someone's done something wrong. It must have been a biggie. Either this bloke sinned and he's done something wrong and God's blinded him as punishment or his parents did something or maybe something deep back in his family's dark history. They've done something really, really bad. And now God is punishing them by making him blind. That was the thought. And it was actually a a common thought, a belief that was um, doing the rounds in Judaism uh, about generational or personal sin resulting in physical suffering. Now, I'm not saying that sin doesn't have a physical consequence. No, 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 We can see that all around us. Uh, We can even see that sometimes in our own lives. You let something come into your life and sometimes there can be a physical consequence. Uh, But we should by no means start drawing and judging each other, saying, oh, you know, I can see Judy's got a cough. She's had a bad week. You know, (laughs) don't start doing that, right? Um, (laughs) Because some of the sickest people have been used by the Lord in amazing ways. We need to be careful. Then again, don't flip it the other way either and say, man, they're a picture of health. (laughs) It's so easy to start getting confused in our own flesh. Uh, but nevertheless, this belief was going around and you can see the disciples were just echoing uh, and they started to believe this uh, false teaching as well. And uh, they see the blindness here as a, a punishment for sin. Now, Jesus uh, uh, obviously corrected this uh, and also in Luke uh, chapter 13, uh, he had also corrected this belief where uh, some of the Galileans had been killed by Pilate. It was like, man, they must have done something wrong. They must have been in error. And uh, Jesus had said back then, yeah, what about the 18 people that were killed uh, when the uh, tower of uh, Siloam fell over? Obviously, they were sinners as well. Obviously, they'd done something wrong. And uh, just bringing out the the logical application there. Were they the greatest sinners to deserve this? Uh, No, and uh, Jesus challenged then uh, for repentance. And so, it's got nothing to do here uh, with... uh, Uh, this man doing something wrong or his family doing something wrong and then Jesus makes it very obvious in his own words as to why this man is blind. Now, we don't uh, have an obvious definition for every single thing in our life. I would say that we don't have a a, a specific definition for most things. God doesn't come to us as we often imagine him hat in hand and bowing before us and explaining to us why things are happening or don't happen uh, in our lives. We know uh, that he wants to bring about his glory. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We, we can see the promises in scripture. We know that he won't allow things into our life that are, that are, that are not for his glory. Um, but rarely do we see an exact definition as to why a specific person is going through a specific thing. And I love this. because We can apply this as well. Well, Jesus' response was not that it was a result of sin in his family. No. What was the response? Let's have a look at it. Uh, The second half of verse 3. But that the works of God be made manifest in him. Let's just think about that for a second. Jesus has explained to the disciples why this man's blind. Because God's going to work this for his glory. That's the answer. God has allowed him to be formed in his mother's womb with the absence of this seeing ability for God to bring glory to himself. You see, the arrows need to point to Christ. right? I'm going to finish off with a little diagram right at the end. It's extremely complicated. The arrows point to Christ. They don't Point to us. You know, we live in a world that loves to worship the creation and not the creator. I, I love it when, um, you know, everything about us has this logical reason and there's this scientific explanation and here, da 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 da, except when it comes to where did it come from? Man can't come to the position where we can humbly, simply say, I have been made for his glory. And then where does that place me in a position before God? But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You know, the first thing that we need to note this morning is that his voice is sufficient. You know, as our shepherd, we need to be listening to the Master's voice. It's sufficient. We don't need any other voices. There are too many voices. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe you've got other voices sort of, that speak to you in your head. I'm convinced that there are people at work that have other kinds of voices going on and speak to them in their heads maybe multiple voices. Um, If you have a friend that says, I hear these voices, be very worried because it's probably not the voice of the master. Uh, We need to be listening to the voice that is sufficient. Now, uh, Natalie and I like to think uh, and when we explain to our children, when we're giving them instructions that all you need right now sufficiently is to listen to my voice. Often that's not good enough. Because children have their own way of doing things. They have their own will. And really, it's the same with us. You know, we're just as stubborn as those children that we try and teach and that we try and get them to follow our way and follow our wisdom. Or well, we're just like them. Often we don't want to listen to the Master's voice because we don't think it's enough. We don't think that the Word of God that has been preserved for us, that is His Holy Word, is not enough. So we need to add to it. Uh, We don't think that uh, uh, the things that he's given us in his word, his promise, his character, his leading, his guidance, it's not good enough. It's not a light enough to our path. We need other things to illuminate our lives. His voice should be sufficient. I like to think that the the words that this man heard from the Saviour Suddenly, became his all sufficiency, and they were comforting. This is a man who had not known what was to, uh, what it was like to see. He had no concept of uh, of what it was like to see. Uh, we know uh, some folks back up in Sydney who have been who have been deaf, <coughs> excuse me, from birth, and uh, they don't know what it's like to be able to hear. Uh, but you see them doing their best. Uh, to to make up for that and and boy, I tell you what, you don't say anything about them across the room. They'll see that a kilometre away, right? They're reading the lips, they're watching your body language, they're even trying to feel the very frequencies and vibrations going on around them. Uh, And, uh, you know, wonderful folks. Uh, But he had no concept of what it was like to see. He would have had people describe to him what it was like. Oh, it's like this and it's like that, but he doesn't know what it's like. The optical nerve has never been stimulated at that point where he can record those images in his mind and recall them. He doesn't know. That's all blank. He doesn't know what darkness is because he's got nothing to compare it to. He really didn't know what he was missing, but he knew that he was missing something. And as he matured, as he grew up from from a lad, the conversations and the implications and the even perhaps the chiding would have stayed with him. He would have had a sense that he was missing out on something now and that everyone around him had access to something that he did not. That everybody else had access to information that he did not. And yet, as I said before, his hearing would have been exceptional. His hearing would have been exceptional. Uh, if there was someone who knew the news in town, it would have been him. Right? If it was possible to have a blind cab driver <laughs> who could just tell you everything that was going on in town, that was him, right? He knew what was going on. He would sit there and he would just listen. He probably knew what was going on in local politics. He knew what was going on in other uh, nations around. He knew what was going on with all the different families, different things because he was listening constantly. And yet all of a sudden a voice comes from all of the noise from the chirping of the birds from the uh, uh from the machinery in the background from the clanging of the stonework from the bartering going on over there and there's this new there's this new voice and this voice has a message he hasn't heard of before it's the voice of the master and his ears are open i wonder whether he leaned forward and inclined his ear and tried to uh, i just need to hear more of that Because the voice had a message that he hasn't heard of before. He hears the conversation. Maybe he even hears Jesus say to his disciples, This man is blind because God is going to do a wondrous thing. I'm starting to get excited. I'm convinced that there would have been a sense of loneliness as well with this man. Because he was not a part of everything that was happening around him, he was on the fringe. He was on the sidelines of society because we know that he is a beggar. He begged for money for income. He asked others constantly to have compassion on him and give him funds, provide for his needs. That's what he was used to and that was his lot and that was, that's what he was committed to for the rest of his life. That was his accepted routine. There were no programs in place providing work for the blind. There were no industries around that were catered towards that like we see today. As a matter of fact, industries back then would have seen it to be too dangerous to have a blind person around them. Uh, Working in the field, working in a workshop, working by hot coals, working uh, in stoneware, no, working in the vending stalls, no. see here a community that had had nothing for this blind man but to sit him on the side of the street and allow him to beg for his lot and he depended on he was dependent on other people's grace no doubt others would have been graceful no doubt others would have had compassion on him but i think after a while it just put a worn out just the everyday thing oh there's the blind man People knew him by their own sight, but he didn't know them. He knew their voices. And he was known throughout the community as the blind man, the man that sat over there and begged daily, the one that he needed help to and fro. Maybe temporarily some would have carried his burdens for him. Uh, Maybe he did have a circle of friends that really did care for him. We don't know, but we know that it would have been Challenging and here comes the voice of the shepherd about to change everything. How beautiful the words of Christ must have been. How amazing the voice of Christ must have sounded. He has never heard with such clarity. This voice is different. Do you remember the first time God spoke to your heart? Do you remember it? Does it thrill your soul to remember back? If you can remember that time when God put his hand upon your heart and said, Lost one, you're a sinner. Lost one, you've offended me. You've broken my laws. There is a punishment for that sin, but oh, I love you. And with my grace and mercy, I'm calling you. Do you remember that call? Do you remember that tug at your heart? Do you remember going from that sense of, burdened and lost in your sin to calling out for the one who can save you and can redeem you. It should thrill you. I remember that time I was a little fella. I remember that time I was five. I can't remember it changed my life from a path of sin and destruction to um, you know, that, that narrow way but I can tell you what, I remember the time and I remember as a five year old thinking about my eternity and not wanting any part of it and calling upon the Saviour. And I can tell you this day that he has never left me nor forsaken me, even though I deserve it. So we're full of a people in this world that think that they deserve this and they deserve that and if there is a God, I deserve to go to heaven. No, we deserve to be condemned. That's what we deserve. Our just deserts are, are to be separated from God forever. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his voice, the voice of the shepherd who speaks to this man, who takes the time and brings about God's plan in his life. As he heard about his purpose in life, for the first time someone's given me an answer, I'm blind because God made me that way. For his glory, according to his purpose and his will wow god has a purpose for my life i'm not a reject i'm not a mistake god has made me this way we could close it there because none of us can stand before the lord and say oh such and such well, or you they know they had that physical error what well, i wonder what happened it must have been a genetic thing could have been but the lord's in control He's allowed that for His glory. Brethren, remember this morning is that God has made every part of you. We go to Psalm 139 and we can see that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we know even from the, just this morning's reading that His way is perfect. Are you part of that way? You see, if you are part of that way, if you are following uh, the shepherd, then you can take courage and stock in the fact that He wants to use you with your gifts and abilities, with your physicalness, the way that he's made you today. He wants every single member of this church totally and 100%, if I can use a technical term, online for him. Not offline. Not partial. Every single day. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God has brought you to this local assembly to join it and to use your gifts and talents for his glory? If you've never thought of it that way, you need to. Praise the Lord that he provides places that we can come, not just for safety and shelter and to have warm fellowship, but brethren, for us, to allow him to use us in this place to reach others, to minister to each other. It's not just up to the pastor, it's not just up to the leadership, it's not just up to those people that you look at and you say, wow, they're such a good singer or they're such a good speaker. Yeah, but you're such a good something. You are the best at something in this place. Whether that's that quiet little encouraging note to someone on the side. Whether that's seeing the need that I saw before with one lady giving another lady a cup of water. What a blessing. Whether that's standing down the front and saying g'day to someone as they're coming in the door. Whether that's uh, seeing a a financial need in the church or, or amongst someone who needs something and then anonymously providing those funds. Whatever it happens to be, don't water down the gifts and abilities that God has given you as being inconsequential or not big enough compared to such and such. Because every single one of you used in His will, according to His glory, can bring about powerful things. They may not be things that we can measure with our own rulers, but they're definitely things that will last for eternity. And so here is a man who is seeing and hearing for the first time, God made me that way. Fantastic hope the disciples are listening as well. (laughs) The shepherd is all he needs. You were made for a divine purpose. We often think that we need something more than Christ. But we don't. It's a sad illusion of this world. A world that is trying to meet its own appetite of craving for something else and something new. Now, I love new stuff. We all love new stuff. And there's nothing wrong with new things except that if all your life is about is that next new thing. We need to be satisfied with the voice of the shepherd. Is he your all-sufficiency this morning? Is that the voice that you're tuned to? Is that where your dial is tuned into? We need Christ surely. Yes, we need him here on a Sunday but you know what? We need him daily. How does the song go moment by moment? Oh, we need him. I need him. Well, this moment in history comes as this man is sitting there and his life changes. The works of God. Have a craving for the works of God. And then Jesus goes about to do a ministry in this man's life. And again, doing something that he has never had happen to him before. <laughs> let's have a look at it. Uh, let's go down, please, to verse 6. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes, or put on the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, I often wonder what people are thinking around Jesus when he would use peculiar things to do amazing works. And uh, you know that the Lord Jesus was often criticised for, um, for healing and for helping people and for ministering on the Sabbath. right? Pharisees could just not see the forest from the trees. They were constantly stuck in the law, constantly stuck in their own version of the law and criticising the Son of God for ministering to people. I don't know which side of the equation I'd rather be on. And here Jesus uh, reaches down and he puts the spit on the dirt and he moistens it and wraps it together and he makes a dirt pack. Now, just reading that passage, you wonder, Why? Why would Jesus use spittle and dirt and rub it together and then put it on his eyes? Why would you do that? It just doesn't sound logical. Jesus chose to do something here that man would never ever think about doing in response to a physical ailment. I mean, there's nothing in the field of optical science that combines dirt with the eye. As a matter of fact, when you combine dirt with the eye, it's panic, isn't it? It's the end of the world. You get one Little speck in your eyeball, life's over. It's, oh, 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 that's, oh, and you're in front of the mirror going, oh, and then he's trying to flush the thing. He's like, oh, honey, come over here. He's like, oh, and he's like, oh I'll quick, call an ambulance because we've got, maybe you haven't been called out for specks of dirt in the eye, I hope not, but um, you've seen some horrific eye injuries. Um, but, you know, I've had some nasty stuff get in my eyes, and it's the end of the world. Dirt in the eye. How is that going to bring about anything good? Well, Jesus goes ahead and uh, makes a mud pack and places it on his eye. Now, last time I looked, uh, when it came to uh, first aid kits, that wasn't in it. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, you know, turning, going to the doctor and saying, "Oh, doc, I've got this." Not like the jokes yesterday, like a real doctor. And you uh, oh, know, and he goes out the back and. Sh- <laughs> Just a thing for you, open up, <laughs> whoa whoa whoa. that 's not coming anywhere near my eyes, yeah, that just doesn't make sense, does it? Hospital gray dirt I would be you'd be running out of that doctor surgery pretty quick if that came out and i'm by the way i'm not um you know mocking the use of mud packs, I mean some of you might use the facial mud packs like pastor does, you know, now and then just to keep the wrinkles away. And, uh, you know, that's fine. And there's no doubt medicinal benefits from that, but you see what I'm saying here, okay? You know, Matthew Henry puts it like this. He says, Christ magnified his power in making a blind man to see, doing that which one would think more likely to make seeing man blind. Human reason cannot judge of the Lord's methods. He uses means and instruments that men despise. You know, Jesus' enemies would have looked at that and seen the result and said, Oh, we can't do that. And if Jesus had said, just go over there and just give your eyes a bit of a wash, you know, the local scientists would have said, Ah, there we go. There's must be some kind of mineral content uh, in that water. You know, maybe there were people afterwards that saw Jesus put the, the dirt pack on and, uh, and thought, oh, we just did that quote, and thought, oh, miraculous dirt. Yeah. Worshipping the dirt rather than the miracle maker. Yeah? You see, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring about nor, nor things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, God just does things that just twist our brain around. Why? So that no flesh, so that no man so that no little thing can stand up and say, it was me, so that no man can point to another object and say, it was that. No, all arrows point to the Lord Jesus Christ. It must have been him. That's why I put the picture of the donkey up there. Because that's us, right? (laughs) I know what you were thinking. It's a family member, but... (laughs) It's not Natalie's side. But that's the truth, isn't it? Us by ourselves, we're just dumb. We're powerless. We're just like a stubborn mule. God uses things in His purpose that gives the glory to Him that we think is impossible. And if you put yourself in that category, guess what? You're riding right God's firing line because God wants to use you. Well, that big day, the reports got back around about this uh, wonderful thing that happened and uh, you know there were questions, oh, how and who and how. Oh, hang on, there's the blind man. Let's have a look. And when he had thus spoken, verse 6, we know that he applied the clay with the spittle. And verse 7, he said unto him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore washed and came seeing. So, he went down to the pool and this is the closest we can get to the pool these days. Uh, I think it's still amazing that you can go uh, down to the Holy Land and still see these places. Um, And as you can see, you know, the water's still there and there are no people flocking around the water to get their eyes cured. Maybe there was. Maybe there was a wave of people that started to go down there, but no, there's nothing in the water. It was the hand of the Master, the shepherd's voice. Aren't you glad that this man didn't uh, 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 feel that dirt coming onto his eyes and go, oh, no, get it off me, and then live the rest of his life sitting there as a beggar? Aren't you glad that he didn't then, once he had the dirt on his eyes, say, no, I don't want to walk down all the way down to that pool. I'd rather just go over there somewhere to that little bowl of water that I've got. You see, not only must the man have listened to his voice, the voice of the master, and said, yes, he's my all-sufficiency, but it is the voice that I will obey. You see, Jesus had specific instructions. Go and do this. You see, it's just airtight. Everything about this just points to Jesus. What he did came true. What he said came true and changed this man's life. I'm so glad he did. He went down to the pool and he obeyed. See, Psalm 103, verse 14, for he knoweth our frame. What does he remember? Anybody? That we are dust. That we're dirt. God remembers that. When we turn around to look at God and say, God, you don't know how much this is oppressing me. You don't know how I feel. Yeah, he does. That's why he's doing it. Lord, you don't know. I I can't see what's ahead. That's okay, I can. Lord, this is going to ruin me. No, it won't. I'm going to bring together things for good. You know, when David went up before Goliath, what was his testimony to the king when the king said, nah, mate, you're going to get squashed by this bloke? He said, "Ah, the lion and the bear. God has been working in my life and has brought the victory here and here. Let me encourage you this morning, brethren. As we're coming to a close, remember the lion and the bear moments in your life. When God brings you through, when you know and you see the clouds coming and you say, okay, Lord, yep, all right, I'm going to trust you and going to work. When he brings you through that, remember it for next time because you're going to start to see a pattern. God brought me through. God brought me through. God brought me through. Oh, hang on. Um, hang on. God never changes. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. That means that next time the clouds start to come, God's going to bring me through. I found myself uh, walking outside and just looking up into the stars and in those moments where you feel like everything's just oppressing and, the, and, the, and suddenly things in life change, just trying and saying, Lord, I, I want to just sing praises to you because I, I'm going to decide to. Because you're going to bring me through. I'll trust you. Well, <clears throat> Jesus takes the earth, the very earth that's trodden under the feet by the passers-by. And uses an instrument in his hand to bring vision. To bring a man out of darkness. And isn't that what Jesus did for you? He brought you up out of the pit. Out of the miry clay. And he set you on a rock. He established you going. He put in your heart a new song. Praise him with the new song. Look for the new song. Remember the new song. This man had to decide. He had to then submit himself to the will of the shepherd and then decide to give glory to the one that had healed him. You know, we're not going to go into all of the verses afterwards, but it's, I tell you what, it's almost like a comic strip. To see uh, everybody running around going, that is blind man, is that the blind man? Is it really the blind man? <laughs> of course it's the blind man. It's the same bloke that you've seen sitting there for decades. And yet the, 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 doubt and the fear coming into the people around them, which, which, they're trying to uh, rationalise, in they can't be the moment. Maybe someone who looks like the blind man. <laughs> he's not the blind man anymore, he's the seeing man. Yeah, but how did he see? Who, where is that guy that, and you can see, and you can constantly going to him saying, how did that happen again? Well, there was this man who came over and did da 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 People struggling all around to, to try and rationalise logically how this happened. As a matter of fact, later on, his parents even threw him under the bus. Isn't <laughs> It's like, oh, well, go and talk to him. <laughs> you know, when it became too hard for his parents, he ah, oh, we're out of here, you know, go and talk to him. That's kind of the way I, I read it. But what a wonderful testimony this is for us this morning. As we come down to this conclusion, it's decision time. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? Perhaps today is the day that you need to put aside some distractions that are happening, right? Because my question to you is, whose voice are you listening to? You see, there's lots of options. We're not short of advertisements around us saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Everybody, this world is vying for your attention. You are prime time in the devil's target. Your life is prime time. The life of our children is prime time. The life of the people that God would have us to reach is prime time. He is pumping everything out there to try and keep people from noticing and seeing that they are on the broad way to destruction. He's just throwing absolutely everything and you know what? He's very good at doing it. Very experienced. More experienced than you and I. There's stuff everywhere. There's Every possible statistic and graph and measurement and film and video, and it's just all instantly available these days and can be so distracting, not only for the world, brethren, but for the church. Whose voice are you listening to? I'm not saying that we can't utilise uh, other things around us and utilise technology when it works and utilise um, different media, but don't allow it to dominate. Voice are you listening to when it comes to the direction and the advice in your life? Can I ask you this? Can I implore you not to do this? Don't Google your life. All of a sudden when one of my girls comes in from outside and they've got this strange thing on their arm or whatever, I'm going to Google it. <laughs> right? Or now and then we might even Google, you know, natural therapies for headaches or whatever. That's fantastic. Actually, maybe not. Dunno. Don't, Don't Google your spiritual life. Don't take your advice from Wikipedia or any other Pedia. Yeah? And being in a Bible believing Bible teaching Bible disciple in church also helps amazingly. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy glory, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. You know, we must be, remembered, must be reminded this morning to remember because we forget so easily. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created in Revelation. Who deserves the glory? God does, not us. As The man went down, lots of people made different decisions around who they would give the glory to. There's the advice, listen to your own heart. Figure out who to give the glory to. You don't need to follow his word, blind man. Just go and do your own thing. By all means, give it a go, mate, and then go and see an expert. <laughs> right? How many people have you met? Oh, I know I'm going a bit over time here, but I've got to do this. How many people have you met have said, yeah, "I gave the Christian thing a go"? Right? I've read the Bible, and. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is not giving it a go. All right, where are we at in Christ? Of course we know that without Christ, you and I are nothing. That's a good starting point and that's a good finishing point. Because you know one day when we're called to glory, one day when we're uh, in his presence and we hear our name called out in the book of life, I'll tell you what, we're going to count it all joy. we're nothing and it's all going to be about him brethren decide today before you get there that it's all about him and give him the glory forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven he's already got it mastered go to his word thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path is that where you're going is god's word is the master's voice the thing that you're listening to Remember all the people in the New Testament who came out to hear the word of the Lord Jesus, to hear the voice? Multitudes of them. They were everywhere. They were crowding so much that Jesus had to minister from a boat. If only we could see that today. They would call out to him for their every need. They would see that he's their all-sufficiency. Even the demonic, possessed people there that were around him were calling out for mercy the one who could control the winds and the rain, the one, the winds and the rain would respond to his voice. Do we take those steps of faith according to his voice? The one that said, let there be light from the very beginning, the master, the creator. I wonder which foolish and weak thing he wants to use in our life for his glory. Because we've got our own unique set of foolish things that God wants to use. And this is what it looks like. Here's my simple graph to finish. <laughs> and it wasn't even mine. I wasn't smart enough to do it. Everything points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that we would be listening to your still, small voice, but Lord, a voice that is so powerful. Well, may we be like the blind man who listens, whose lives are changed, Our eyes are open and we can see. We can see, uh, Lord, our purpose in life, that is to bring you glory. We pray that each one of us would be submitted before the Father this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.